Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, a podcast in which I, your host, Mark DiCano, ask the big questions about comedy. What is it? Who is it? And why is it? To help me, I've enlisted some of the experts in their field, comedians, promoters and fans, all of whom I confidently predict will be unable to answer any of these questions. If by a man's work shall ye know him, then ye shall know my guest this episode by his podcast, or most especially his blog, A Rich Comic Life. A man I once heard stand-up comedian Luke Kempner claim was more famous on the comedy circuit than a lot of the comedians. It's the other comedy nerd, Mr. Front Row, Richard Gill. Hello, mate. How are you? It's good to see you. Hello, mate. How are you doing? Really good. Thank you so much for letting me be a guest on this. It's an honour. The honour is mine. I uh, Yeah, I've got Edinburgh sorted out. Yeah, I've got Edinburgh almost nailed down now. It's only 40 shows this year. <laughs> only 40? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're worse than I am. I, you know, I mean, it's very big. I'm on here, but you are worse than Lazy I am. man. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see your list. It's about 49 at the moment. Wow. But it might go up. And are you going the same time as I am? Yeah, same week. Our paths will cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm mostly favouring shows on the PBH free fringe because I haven't got any money. Yes, of course. If, and if there's a train strike, I'm walking because <laughs> the lineup is too good. <laughs> <laughs> I want to kick straight in and talk to you about your blog because, as I say, you are famous among comedians for your blog. Well, yeah, I mean, um, the whole the whole idea of it was um, it started off as a spreadsheet. Um, I I I am quite boring. I have I have <laughs> a, a list of. Uh, favorite films, a list of favorite bands, uh, and and I was producing all these lists, and one of them was comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day I thought to myself, um, I could make something out of this. And then and then I thought, well, who's going to want to read it? But a friend of mine in my home city of Carlisle, she's got her own business, and she said to me, "This is crying out for a blog." And I didn't know what a blog was even, and um, <laughs> uh, um, I got the very basic rules. Yeah. I had every rev- I had a little not a review. I've always said to people I'm not a reviewer or a or a diarist or a critique. I'm I'm a member of the audience when I go to comedy and I and I've been watching comedy for now 47 years. So I've there's over a thousand comedians on the blog. Mm. And um it's just grown and grown and grown. It's been going for about 3 years. I've got over a hundred thousand hits on there now, which I'm delighted about. Yeah, and and an offshoot of that uh, was the podcast. Uh, 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 and it's called it, the, the whole thing. The whole project is called a Rich Comic Life because my name's Richard. Mm-hmm. So it's www.richcomiclife.blog, and there's a Rich Comic Life podcast. And the podcast, um, I was bowled over because uh, I uh, basically what it is. I talk. I talk on Zoom mm-hmm. to comedians uh, about their careers. And it started off with, I think I had about three of them. And one of them was Joe Caulfield, yep. who was superb. One of them was Darren Walsh. And one of them was Sean James, who you well know. Yep. And um, uh, I asked more and more and more. And I've currently got, uh, as, of the, um, as of the recording, there are now 64 uh, hour-long interviews with the comedians mm-hmm. and I've recorded 94 um, and so they go out every week um, and I update the blog every week 
with all the ex all my experiences of sitting there watching all the comedians and it's just the best thing i'm so passionate about it like you are yeah mr comedy nerd <laughs> my comedy my other comedy brother yeah, yeah. <laughs> brothers in spreadsheets yeah so. yeah <laughs> It was a delight to meet you finally last year, your reputation having preceded you. <laughs> likewise, likewise, my friend. I think what's bizarre is you bump into someone in a pub after a comedy show. And you say, oh, yeah. you're so-and-so. And yes, and you're so-and-so. Yeah. And some of your best mates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lit literally, you were known for years as the comedy nerd, which is no bad thing because it's purely on social media. Yeah. And then we finally get to meet and it, it was great. It was lovely. Yeah, it's not just me yeah. who's doing this mad thing, <laughs> wonderful thing. Yeah, And since then, we bump into each other a lot, of course, because we go to the same gigs and same festivals. Yeah. And prolific as we both are, there's bound to be some crossover. So what I wanted to know is, when you're preparing your spreadsheets for the Edinburgh Festival, Hastings, Brighton, etc., how do you make a decision about what's right for you to go and see? The whole point of um, the blog is to support new comedians as well as established acts. And um, I've been going to the Fringe. I've been very lucky to go for the last mm -hmm. 15 years. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of people come along with me at various times of the week. <laughs> and I believe I'm very good at um, deciding what they're going to, what they like for, for comedy, because they come along with me to other comedy shows. Yeah. Um, the fringe is my holiday uh, uh, every year, so I go that I go and, and I, I go there for a week, um, and um, uh, nine times out of ten, the spreadsheet uh, uh, it's it takes me about three months to prepare because mm -hmm. everything has to be in the right order, in the right place, and grouped together. Because Edinburgh is very hilly, for example, if it's the Edinburgh fringe, yeah. Um, and uh, so I have I have new established I have new acts and I have established acts yeah and I like uh, people seem to like to want to go to plays about comedians or things that they like so that so for example this year in 2022 the three that we're going to there's a play about the TV show The Comedians mm -hmm. there's a play about Ken Dodd and there's a play about Les Dawson so um, that was right up my street and I'm sure I'm sure everybody everybody else who's coming along with me has said yes that would be great so we're getting uh, established acts like frank skinner's playing mm -hmm. um yep. uh, uh who else is playing um jason burns playing um arthur smith's playing and we're getting new uh acts as well i've i've never seen bella hull live and i've never seen brennan reese live and they're supposed to be superb so um a real yeah. mixture of um uh, quality acts, really. I like the idea you've mentioned there about uh, plays about comedians, because yep. I wanted to ask you. We see each other a lot at stand-up gigs. Are you a core stand-up fan, or do you enjoy um, sketch comedy, improv, as well as uh, obviously plays? No, no, it's all it's all gamuts of it. I love it. Um, mm -hmm. Behind me, I've got a load of uh, books about. Yeah. I love biographies. So I'm I'm fascinated about what makes a stand-up comedian. On my uh, interviews, I say a lot to the comedians that I had a I had a go at stand-up myself once, which was at the Edinburgh Fringe. Yes. Um, and uh, it was the it's the most daunting thing, 
but um, uh, um, if you if you can make somebody laugh, what's not to love? I mean, I I I love to go on a Saturday night, have a few drinks, and then sit down, and you never know what you're going to get, yeah. you know, and 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 that's the magic of it. Yeah. Um, and, and and when I had a go, it was a disaster. Never say never <laughs> again. I I at the at the first year that I went, um, the um, people who who ran the free fringe, they said to me, um, uh, "We can we can get you on uh, um, uh, uh, on a uh, Monday afternoon um, in mm-hmm. the Haymarket yeah. for an old folks gong show." <laughs> so I had a I had a script ready about um, uh, being accident prone driving in Carlisle, yeah. and I used to pass me. Uh, I, I used to um, have my uh, when I, when I passed my test, um, I used to cause lots of accidents, um, <laughs> and I had all these stories. And he said, "Oh, this is really good." So, so uh, I walked out. And there was three people in the crowd, and there was a, there was there was an old fella sitting in the back. And I walked out. And I went, "Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. People think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, but I can't see the resemblance myself because I'm his double." <laughs> and um, I thought, "What a killer line to open up!" And the old fella in the back just went. Fuck off, me off. <laughs> <laughs> and the promoter said, have another go, have another go. So I had another go and same thing happened. And I thought, I think my place is in the in the in the crowd. Um laughing. <laughs> and, and that's what I've done ever since. Never say never again. But I seem to have yeah. this uh, legendary laugh that I should get insured, which is <laughs> wonderful, really. That's my ammunition when I go, if you need any. I have heard um I wish I could remember who it was. If you go out and you you hear a particular laugh, you know Rich Gill's in, and then you know you're going to have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, well, the laugh came from um, uh, uh, the, the well. The, let me tell you, the first ever act I saw was in the seventies, nineteen seventy five, and it was Les Dawson. Les Dawson, yeah, I was uh, going to ask you about with that. the family in Scarborough, and then a year later I saw Tommy Cooper. Uh, and then uh, I had a particularly uh, memorable holiday in Torquay where um, uh, uh, we were in like a Faulty Towers style hotel on the cliff. <laughs> and um, uh, um, before I'd gone, I'd be about 10 years old. Yeah. Um, my diet was incredibly bad. I, I didn't really eat properly at all. And my mum and dad said to me, whatever's been put in front of you by the... Uh, waiters or waitresses eat it so I discovered roast dinners and all and fantastic mm-hmm. food and because I'd done this they got me a, uh, a, a variety show a comedy show and it was Tom O'Connor at the Festival Theatre <laughs> wow. right? now Tom O'Connor is a, is a uh, stand-up comedian from the 70s yeah he used to be on and, the comedians uh, yeah he was on the comedian, yeah, and and we went along, and he started doing his patter, and uh, I can remember this vividly. I burst out laughing, and it floored him. He walked <laughs> off stage. He didn't know what to do. He walked off stage, and then came back on and started again. And I thought, was that me? Was that me doing that? And I built it from there. Now that now the laugh. Um, uh for years and years and years um uh i i thought i've got something here with the lab so i i it didn't mind where i sat mm. and then um uh because i'd been to the fringe for so long i was looking for a comedy club in london that reminded me of the fringe venue right. 
And this is where always the comedy comes yeah. into it. And and it's very near where I live at Kennington. Mm-hmm. And I've been going there for the last six years. And and the fact that they, the fact that James Gill is very warm with an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, the second or third time I went there, I sat on the front row and that was it. The, the first ever show I had there, it was, I think it was Josh Whittingham. Yeah. I was sitting halfway back and he recognised the last <laughs> Then, So I thought, well, I've definitely got something here. <laughs> and, and what's that to love, you know? So, um, so uh, uh, people do recognise him, which is lovely. Don't you have a story similarly with um, Julie Waters? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, well, I'll show you. Um, the photograph. I've got three prized photographs, and that's one with Julie Walters. There's one with Harry Hill, and there's one with Ronnie Corbett. And yeah. uh, Julie Walters was signing her biography on the photograph. Mm-hmm. And uh, the story was: uh, I went along to see um, Acorn Antiques, the musical, with a friend of mine. We were sitting on the front row. Yeah, and she. Um, she was playing Mrs. Overall, and in the second act, when she walked on on the second act, uh, she hadn't appeared in the first act, and everybody went bananas when she appeared. And um, as she started singing a song about um, Ozzy Osbourne and uh, chocolate macaroons. <laughs> so I, it set me off crying with laughter, and it actually my laughter actually stopped the stage show. <laughs> and uh, everybody, they just stopped and they went, who is this? And I, I was laughing away. And uh, she leant over and she cheekily looked at me and she went, you're really getting this, aren't you? So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. so about a month later, the reason for the photograph, her book was out. And uh, I told her this story and she's laughing away. And she wrote, she's written in my book, um, to Richard, many thanks for making me laugh, Julie Walters, best wishes, <laughs> which was great. Wow, so, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> the thing is, like you say, you've been seeing comedy since you were a kid. It's amazing to me you even remember these. Mm. Like you've got anecdotes about a whole bunch of people, like um, Ed Gamble, Rick Mayle. Mm. Oh, yeah, you talk all night, my friend. Yeah. A whole bunch of stories. Yeah. Well, 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 Rick Mayle... Um, I went to college in Stoke on trends in the 80s and just before I came down to London. So it was all the alternative comedy boom. And I hate the word, the word alternative, but all the new comedians were emerging through. Yeah. And um, uh, we saw Ben Elton at Stoke and he did three hours. And what was fascinating about Ben Elton was um, he looked at his watch and tailor made his material to the audience he was playing. So for um, uh, a college, it was students. I saw him again in Carlisle and it was all about uh, money. For some reason I can't think why. And then um, uh, within the space of, I think it was three weeks we saw, uh, we saw Ben Elton in Carlisle. And then we saw Rick Mayle who, um, was obviously starring in the young ones that Ben Elton had written. It was on big on the TV. Yeah. And uh, he was spotted by a comedian called Andy De La Tua, who um, had sort of like vanished off the scene, but he, he played a show in Edinburgh in 2018, 19, something like that. Yeah. And I told him this story because he did the support. And, of course, put, dear old Rick Mail had passed on, but I've never seen such an opening 
to a show. He he was playing uh, the the theme from the Muppet Show, and the theme <laughs> from Dallas was on a loop, uh, and it kept scratching and going back to the start and everything. And he was getting angry behind the curtains. <laughs> and then um, all of a sudden, the the stage exploded, and he jumped on, and then his trousers exploded. And he, and, he, and, and, and he went, ladies and gentlemen of the Carl, he kept calling Carlisle the Carl, I'm here. And uh, everybody burst out laughing. There was one bloke next to me, whether it was a plant or not, it was brilliant. There was one bloke next to me, did not laugh, and literally jumped down and threw him out. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never seen anything quite like it. It's on a par with um, the first time I saw Harry Hill yeah. King's Head about 30 years ago and he's still to this day got the best opening line I've ever heard he uh, he was late for the gig and he brushed past me and he climbed up onto the stage and he said ladies and gentlemen I'm really sorry um, uh, I'm really sorry I'm late I had to have a testicle brought down and everybody laughed and then he said from, from Derby <laughs> and, uh, and when I met him on the photograph there I told him this. And he said, "Oh, Richie said I do. I do this every time." <laughs> but but there's there's a classic example you were saying before about picking your comedians and who you're going to see. Yeah. In them. Another magical thing about the blog is watching them all grow. Exactly. So if you've got a brand new comedian, it's wonderful if you can catch them right at the start and then watch them all develop. So. If you go to my podcast, yep. there's many a comedian who you you may never have heard of, but every one of them has got a good story to tell. And, and that's the magic of it. And Harry Hill is a case in point because he's come back from being a big comedy star on the television to play in the clubs again because clearly he loves doing that sort of thing. And it's it's great to see, you know. So, Let's talk yeah. about that briefly. Um, the difference between television and live comedy. Obviously, recently we've had cause to not be able to go to see live comedy, and I know that you, like myself, have seen a lot of things online. Has there been any, any moments you've taken out of that where you think they've sort of seized the advantage, seized the opportunity, rather than just seeing the lack of live comedy as a, as a disruption that it was? But uh, was there also a blessing to be taken for it? I think to start off with you cannot beat live comedy it's as it's as simple as that yeah but but um if zoom hadn't have happened if the zoom gigs hadn't have happened i don't know what i would have done throughout lockdown yeah it was so yeah. advantageous for many a comedy club who had the facilities to do it um to do it well and and so for example I know I mentioned Always Be Comedy before. They were very good at it, but so was uh, the Monday Night Comedy Club with Sean James, Happy Mondays Comedy, and the Irish one with Charlotte Regan. I used to go on a Friday night. Uh, the Irishman Abroad Comedy Night, Return of the Crack it was. That's it, yeah. Um, but, I would but I would also go to um, things like Boothby Graffo's nights because uh, he's a musical guitarist. Yeah. And... Because all in all comedy needs is just either a, a microphone or a, or a guitar or a prop or whatever, you can get away and do it uh, uh, online. And and he was drawing the crowds in. He was getting the, he was getting a lot of people into his shows. Um, but you were saying before about television. I've also been to TV, lots of TV recordings as well, I, and and radio recordings. I used to go to the Now Show and the News Quiz, and. Um, 
uh, one of my favourite TV recordings was Have I Got News For You with Bruce Forsyth, which was just phenomenal. So so um, the, the way that um, stand-up comedy works, you can do, if you can do it well online, but you can't be a live atmosphere because you never know what's going to happen next and it's of the moment and it's for you. Yeah. So, you know, whenever you go and sit down, whenever I go and sit next to you, if we, if we go and see an act or something, you never know what you're going to get. And and that is, that is why I fuel off my passion for loving yeah. it. And I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, as you know, I'm not a front row person. The one time I sat in the front row was because I was sat with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> we went to Sue North Down. That's right. Sat in the front row to see Lily Phillips who I adore. Yeah, she's lovely. Um, cheers and applause. Lily comes out on stage. Straight away, i got a microphone in my face and I'm doing headlights immediately. <laughs> <laughs> but you love all that, don't you? Well, well, um, it was funny because I was talking about very, very story I was talking about before. Um, because they are human beings, no matter how big a star they are, and you learn this the more that you, the more you sit in a particular place, if you're going to go there and laugh at them, what's not to love? You know, um, I, 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 in all honesty, all the people, who, all the comedians who have been on my blog, I'm not going to slag them off at all. One of, one of the big decisions I made with the blog and the podcast was um, uh, um, to... Uh, it's, my, my brother's testimonial was, this is an enthuse and this is a whole new genre. I think I, think I found a unique way of um, describing things. Now, the argument is, are you like everybody you're, because you're so positive? But my argument is, no, they're getting up and they're having a go and they need support. Yeah, yeah, if I'm yeah. there to support them, here we go. So there are many, many comedians people friends who i know who wanted to go and have a go at doing stand-up comedy yeah and and went to these um free wonderful free comedy nights that to do the five minutes and you have to bring your friend along and everything and i was always the friend so to start them off i would i would be there literally for 10 shows so i would get sick of the five minute routine yeah. <laughs> but i would still laugh having heard it so many times now a very good friend of mine who comes along along to a lot of the comedy, as soon as he, he's heard something, he'll lean over to me and he'll go, oh, I've heard this. Yeah. Because if you look at the life cycle of, say, for example, you've got somebody like Hal Cruttenden or any of them on tour uh, at, at Edinburgh, they will do their Edinburgh show, which is being mm -hmm. honed, and then they'll spend the next year touring it and then they have another show, and that's how it goes in the cycle, you see. So if I go and see Hal Cruttenden in Carlisle in, say, November or wherever, having seen him in August, it's the same show, but they're so good at what they do. I, for one, don't mind that because there will always be something new in a show whenever you see them. They always put a new bit in or, you know, and that's the magic of it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, you know, and that's why I love doing it. It's, uh, uh, and of course, you know, from my point of view, um, it's an ongoing thing, the blog, I can do it when I'm being wheelchaired around in at 90. <laughs> you know, if you're going to wheelchair me to a gig, I'll go and, and, uh, write about it. But, um, uh, so there you go. Uh, the, 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 um, 
just going back to what we were saying earlier, um, I, I was invited to a half-day writing uh, course, which I went on, and everybody else around me wanted to be a comedy reviewer. And the woman said, "The woman said to me, um, oh, we we um, we can't remember why we invited you.'" I said, "Well, I'm not a diarist. I'm not a critique. I'm not a reviewer. I'm a member of the audience. I'm out to have a good time." And that answer, they never bothered me again, you know. And 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 that was, I thought, I've got something here. Yeah. So um, you know, and and it seems to be working because folk seem to want me to keep writing it and keep, try and keep interviewing yeah. comedians if I can get them. The only way I can get them is, is through the direct messaging on the social media. The one coup, I mean, a lot of them are coups, but but um, the one that amazed me even was Barry Cryer. And I had to ring him up personally, which was unheard of. So I was this little nervous northerner ringing him up. And, oh, hello, is that Richard? And uh, he was the most wonderful person to interview because he's got all the stories because he's written for everybody so um yeah and yep. it's and and it's gems like that, that that it makes the life of the interviewer easy you know because you get people like me just talking at them. <laughs> <laughs> shut up for five minutes i can ask <laughs> sorry once once i start <laughs> yeah, you make a good point because you you say that you know you're not a reviewer um but you're making a, a point of uh, expressing your opinion about how these shows make you feel have you not thought about uh, maybe deconstructing it more and uh, and making it a review i could go down a lot about i could go down a lot of avenues i i i, I could uh do that i could um uh, a friend of mine uh reported for the paper at the fringe one year and, had, and was given a number of shows to go and see and actual, and had reviewed them on. What it is, I suppose, is it is my review, if you, if you want to really uh, analyse it. But basically what I'm doing is uh, I'm saying, here's a comedian, this is what happened to me when I was there, it's entirely up to you to decide to go and see them based on what I've written. Okay. So that's, that's how I go about it. So I could I, I could do a lot of things. I, I want to I want to try and do a live uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether that will ever come about. Um, uh, I want to um, possibly do my own comedy night. I think a lot of comedians will be chomping at the bit. Yeah. Um, but I, like uh, you know, I I say to myself, how on earth do you go about doing that? But then I thought to myself, well, how on earth do you, do you write a blog or do a podcast? And here we are. So, you know. So with all that experience from the early days of seeing Les Dawson all the way up to now, from traditional comedy, um, set up punchline to mm. the fantastic narrative style of Dawson, uh, all the way up to the alternative comedy scene and to today, how have you seen comedy changing? Is it for the better? Is it just different? Yeah. Where, where do you sit when you sort of say it's not the way it used to be or it's better now than ever? How do you feel? No, no, I think I think we're at uh, one of the most exciting times because so many people are fearless now to have a go at it. There was no comedy clubs when I first started. Yeah, it was all on the TV. Yeah, there was just all working men's clubs, and they would learn the hard way to to go in and do it. Nowadays, with the emergence of so many comedy clubs or an or an or a night in of any pub, yeah. Um, there will be a gem of a comedian who you haven't seen, nobody's ever heard of. And you're, as I said before, you're there of the moment. 
and you you can experience something and you think my god this is amazing he's going to go far I, I remember um in the mid 90s um I have, I have a friend in manchester a good friend in manchester and whatever i'd miss in london i'd always go and see at the comedy with him in manchester yeah and we went to a club called the jabez clegg and uh there was a bill of five acts on and the fourth one on was peter k nobody had ever heard <laughs> of him. yeah and i laughed so hard it was 20 minutes i missed the fifth act i was still laughing and i said to him i said to him i said he's going to be a superstar and look look at the emergence of him mm. um, and um uh two or three years down the line I uh, looked. I'd looked previously at the bill of the five acts, and I, I had to go up to Dave Gorman and apologise to him that I laughed right the way through his set because <laughs> <laughs> he was the fifth act. <laughs> but um, but uh, still laughing at the guy before. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. But, but but that is a magical uh, thing to have witnessed because you've got. Uh, a comedian who doesn't think well well who uh, is just doing his job and then all of a sudden this is the other big thing they take off they're now playing arenas and all the rest of it and um uh my view is that um the 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 the, the comedians that do that that are looking to do that yeah they still just walk on, do the set and walk off again. It doesn't matter whether you're playing to 50 people or 50,000, you know, um, but that's how it's gone. And, and, and I think it's such a rich uh, comic life, really, um, because there are so many. There are, there are some brilliant uh, female comics. Um, there is, there are, there, there's just so many. And um, I was interviewed on a previous uh, uh thing and um uh, uh uh i i said you know if you're funny you're funny it doesn't matter what your background is or whatever. it's it's something anybody can have a go at and yeah. realize that um you could do something if you can do it well or, or you know whatever the reaction of the audience is um and everybody's happy and, you know, watch it take off, go as far as you can or whatever. You know, so. I go back to this a lot. When you were young and seeing comedians as a young boy, did you have any inkling that growing up in those earlier days that comedy would have the impact on your life that it's had? No, no. I, I What I used to do was um, I, I am fascinated with um, – uh, theatre posters or film posters or anything. I used to cover my walls with um, acts or theater or films or things like this in my in my bedroom. But um, uh, I I used to always enjoy going. I, I I used to love to go to a variety show on a seaside holiday or whatever. And I'd I'd always look at the posters the end of the pier or whatever you know and uh, and all the yeah. 70s thing but i never realized it would be so such an impact no no way uh, but but i knew uh, uh the list would have started somewhere it was fairly late i i i think probably when i first went to the edinburgh fringe 2005 and what i used to do was um scan all the flyers through I was that detailed yeah. and and keep them all on my computer, but I had a a, a portable disk drive 
that lost everything. But the yeah. one thing it did keep was my spreadsheet. Thank God. So, so I had yeah. that, and then that's how the blog grew. So I've, I'm not, I, there's a lesson there learned where you have to back everything. So I've got it on iCloud. I've got it on with hard drive. I've got it on the computer in case it goes in. Right, yeah. Because it's now so valuable to me. Of course, you know, yeah. if it, if, if, what I do, how I go about writing it all on the blog, I write it all in Word first. So every actor's got a, a Word document. Um, and I, of course, I've got all my photographs as well, because I do like photographs with the comedians. Yeah. Um, and I've got over a thousand of them now. So, you know, it's, it, it is very precious to me. Um, and uh, originally, the, the whole thing was going to be a book. Um, uh, that that was the idea. It, uh, it was uh, uh, Rich Comic Life was going to be a book, and it still might be, but um, at the time I couldn't afford the publishing costs because it was so big. So a friend of mine said earlier on, my friend my friend in Carlisle said this is crying out for a blog. Mm. So and of course a blog is infinite, as I said. So you know, yeah, you can do it forevermore. Yeah, yeah. So, I know what you're saying. I remember. Um, Many many years ago, I think in Torquay. Everybody goes there. <laughs> Torquay, yeah, everybody. Kind of, it must have been late seventies, maybe early eighties. I think I saw um, Little and Large. Oh man, on stage. I, I, one I've never seen. I think it's the earliest one I can remember seeing. Wow. In honesty, I remember very little about it, but I remember how I felt about it, seeing the people from the television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there in front of me. That's um, the magic, yeah. And it felt huge because, of course, in your own home, you hear the family around you, right around the television, watching and laughing as we all did. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you're in a theatre full of people, and this is magic because everyone's feeling the same way I'm feeling. Well, I'm going. I'm going to give you an exclusive because, um, uh, the, as I said earlier on, I think I said earlier on, there is a section in my blog called "The Ones That Got Away." Um, and in those early days, I was very, very lucky to see uh, Les Dawson, Tommy Cooper. During my time, I've seen that I was in the audience for the last sketch show for the two Ronnies, last thing Ronnie Barker ever did. I was in the recording for that. Um, uh, and uh, Ken Dodd is a, was a massive favourite. Um, the ones that the ones that I never ever saw, and were the whole reason for the blog for me, were Markham and Wise. Yeah. I just thought they were outstanding. And I can, like you say, I can remember watching them on TV with the whole family around me and everybody laughing. And it, was, it wasn't it was just Eric Mork and the magic of the double act yeah. and all the rest of it. I've got loads of books. I've seen loads of plays about them. And um, I've secured, uh, I hope, uh, a, a recording of an interview with Gary Morkham the son of their son yeah yeah so, um i'm hoping that that's going to take off so there's your wow exclusive. that'll be fantastic um and and that would be amazing yeah. um and uh um so uh um i'm really looking forward to that and and that's going to be probably the end of july we're going to do that so um he's kindly agreed i'm, I'm also after les dawson's wife uh, to interview who's kindly agreed uh, and um, that would be amazing yeah. as well. But um, we'll see. Um, but they all seem to want to do it, as I say, which is incredible. Because who am yeah. I? I'm just, I'm like I'm just for the audience. <laughs> You're the most famous non-comedian in comedy. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> You're right. I mean, Les Dawson, the greatest storyteller ever. Oh, he's, def- he's definitely top five for me, without a doubt. More common wise, I mean, of our generation, certainly, people of our age who didn't spend their Christmas with the family around the TV for the More Common Wise Christmas special. There's a famous uh, quote from Dave Allen. He, he once said, um, whenever you think of More Common Wise, you smile. And what more can be said? You know, they were just magical. Yeah, and Dave Allen, he's an absolute hero of mine. I was very oh. lucky to have seen him at the Strand in the 90s. Uh, you're one up on me. I couldn't get into that gig. And and he's in my ones that got away. I tell a lot of his jokes. I, I went, That's another thing. When I go and see all the comedians, I can remember a lot of yeah. the jokes. So I'm very good at telling jokes in a pub. Right? <laughs> it's all about delivery. It's funny because you were talking about um, seeing comedians and their acts evolve. And so it's interesting because Dave Allen, he evolved because he he was had the smoking and the drinking. And yeah, didn't. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he gave up the cigarettes, he stopped, and then he gave up the drink. And he's talking about smoking, but then he's not talking about smoking. And one of the many reasons I like to go and see work in progress shows is I'll see an act do the same show four, five, six times because it's changed from the start of yeah. the year to by the time it gets to Edinburgh, it's a different show. Yeah. It's nice to see the evolution, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last uh, September, I saw Glenn Moore do a work in progress at the uh, um, Camden Comedy Club, and he's doing Edinburgh. So the change of that show will be amazing. So, 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 I mean, if you analyse it, an hour show, they must have about two, at least two hours worth of material that they can try and then ditch, 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 and it's all dependent on the laps. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, if I'm there, laps is guaranteed. It, uh, um, it's only, if 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 I'm not such a fan, I never heckle or anything like that. I just sit in silence and grin. <laughs> <laughs> it still looks as though I'm enjoying it. <laughs> well, it's interesting you mentioned Glenn Moore, because I was trying to think um, yeah. who's comparable to Les Dawson, even in a small way today. And I think Glenn Moore's a great storyteller. He's a narrative yeah, comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just he just runs through the jokes very very much so you can break them all down you've got the nutters <laughs> I like to call them who are just wild yeah. you've got the storytellers you've got the um, jokers so the one line merchants and you've got the um, uh, political comedy and the and the the overall what's going on in the world sort of thing and it's wonderful uh, to watch them carve out that craft and you watch them which path are they going to go down and and you know it's 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 fascinating to see i think yeah. i'm in the wrong job <laughs> <laughs> you never say never you know <laughs> so rich then let me ask you finally if it is, is it even possible how can you summarize comedy in a nutshell i can only do it for me um it's given me an enormous amount of confidence and joy and I hope I have given that back with my support of all these wonderful people who do, who have the ability to get up and go and do it. I mean, anybody has, as I said before, but um, it's just the most joyous, positive thing. And uh, it, it makes me feel amazing. And uh, my mum always used to say, live for the day. And that's what I do, you know, yeah. and, and everybody, I've just secured a brand, a brand new job 
uh, and um, I've just, I, I, they've said to me, I've slotted in really well, and you know, you're you're very upbeat and you're very enthusiastic, and I think I get that from the comedy. It it shapes character. You know, what is not to love about going to a comedy show and relating to what the person is saying on stage yeah. and laughing like a drain or just even smiling or relating or, you know, it's a wonderful thing. And I know that's why you do it as well, because we obviously we've, we've chatted before about this and I can, I can genuinely talk to you all night. about this. <laughs> <laughs> Many people say I'm boring. <laughs> no, not a bit of it. It's a, actually, I could talk, I could talk about comedy to anybody, all day, <laughs> particularly you. <laughs> I was joking. <laughs> Then I'll conclude by saying thank you, Rich Gill, for being such a fantastic guest and for, for coming on and spending his time with me. It's been an absolute treat. Thank you so much. And all the very best with your podcast. You you go for it, my friend. And I will no doubt see you very, very soon. I'll see you next week at Hastings. <laughs> <laughs> you will, for sure. Definitely. All right, my friend. Well, you take care and all the best to you. And have a rich comic life. Thank you. Thank you.